welcome to Gentle Man. This is a podcast about redefining manhood in the 21st century. I'm happy to be back recording this. It has been a little while since I've worked on this project. There are a few listening who may remember Raw Man, which is a podcast that I started a while back. And I always had the intention of coming back to it or essentially having it transform into this gentle man. So I'm excited to be at this point and I'm excited to be ready to dive in and continue producing the content. So today, what I want to tackle is a really big idea. It's kind of the idea that inspired me to start this podcast in the first place. And this is the notion that manhood is shrinking. Now, okay, it's a funny title. I chose that partially to get a laugh, obviously, double entendre. But I think that there are a lot of men out there who are feeling this way at the moment. They're feeling like the concept of manhood and masculinity is shrinking. It's becoming smaller. There's less space for them to be men, and there's less space for them to express themselves the way they want to or be the kind of man that they want to be. I want to address this because I think it's really vital to doing the work here. So where does this come from? At its base, it comes from a feeling of being threatened. There's a fear that's operating here. The fear manifests in many different thoughts. So the thoughts are, I'm going to have a harder time finding a job. There's less space for me in academia. I can't behave. I can't relax into the behaviors that I'm used to or that I enjoyed in the past. I can't say what I want to say. I can't express myself the way I want to express myself. I have to be careful. I'm worried about getting canceled. I'm worried about being misconstrued as a violent person. So there's, there's a lot of this defensiveness happening in light of just, you know, recent developments in the culture, the Me Too movement, the way that a younger generation coming up is being very critical of the way that manhood has traditionally been. So there's a lot going on right now. Uh, people are really examining. They're examining men. They're re-examining manhood in a very critical light. And so this gives rise to a lot of defensiveness. I want to talk about the underlying hurt here. Why are men getting defensive is the question. Why are men feeling attacked by this criticism rather than saying, oh, I should look at that, right? That's valid. Especially because, you know, I believe that men aren't born violent. I believe that men don't come out of the womb wanting to commit sexual assault. I feel that men are not inherently toxic. And so why would it be that if someone were to criticize men for this behavior, why would they get so defensive about it? And I had a clarity around this when I was thinking about it. My belief is that underlying all of this is a deep sense of hurt. And it's because the paradigm that we live in hurts men as well. And the traumatic paradigm upon which the concept of manhood is built up hurts. It's painful to look at. 
it's almost too much. There's too much there. I think when men start to think about this, it's overwhelming. And so I, I really believe that this is the deeper layer underneath this defensiveness that men are feeling. It's the deeper layer of, oh, there's so much history there. There's so much pain. There's so much suffering. And there's so much damage that has been caused by these notions of manhood that we have. And it really feels like too much. It feels like too much to look into. Men are worried that this is true about them as well. They are worried on a deeper level that maybe I am violent. Maybe I can't control myself. Maybe I will do horrible things that other men have done in the past. Or maybe I have done those things. Maybe I, I have already committed sexual assault. Or maybe I have already been violent or comported myself in a way that I don't feel proud of comported myself in a way that is getting actively criticized in the culture right now. And so in that case, of course, it would be very natural to feel defensive. So when men are feeling defensive about this, they'll, they'll come up with ways to get out of it, right? Rationalizations, clapbacks, retaliations. These are some natural responses. But what I'm wanting to cultivate here on the podcast is the experience of listening, taking that in, listening to the criticism and thinking about how does this apply to me? What can I actually do with this? What I find is that when men start to ask themselves these questions, whole new avenues open up, whole new ways of being open up. This is the beginning of a conversation a lot of men see this as the end of a conversation. This is the way men have been. A lot of people aren't putting up with that anymore. The end, right? We can't do this stuff anymore. It's an ending. Manhood is, in a sense, ending or facing this existential threat. The way I see it is that manhood as it has been is ending. And this is clearing an incredible route, an incredible path for a new manhood to emerge. And in some ways, for an old manhood to emerge as well, there are many very healthy expressions of manhood that have existed in the past that have been squeezed out or that have been chased out. And these are very beautiful expressions that men could reclaim that would bring a lot of satisfaction in their lives. So I'm going to talk about some of that stuff coming up here. But first, I want to focus on some of the things that men feel that they're losing because when you really start to look at it, a lot of what is being lost is stuff that I would argue needs to be lost. So let's go into it. What are some of the things that we're hearing men are losing or shouldn't be doing? Men are losing the ability to be violent with impunity. Being able to use violence to express yourself or perhaps defend yourself if you're feeling defensive. And, to, and the, the key thing here is to feel like you can do it without consequence. This is something that men have accrued over thousands of years is the ability to be violent, to be aggressive, and to not have repercussions. Or if they do have repercussions, they are less. And so it's become so normalized in our culture for men to be violent. People accept it. They say, oh, it's just boys being boys or... 
oh, domestic abuse happens. It's, you know, it's normalized in our community and therefore we're not going to apply scrutiny to it. A lot of these ideas, they're so baked into the culture that it's hard to see them objectively. It's hard to pull out and to really feel the depth of just how harmful they are and how wrong they are, how they shouldn't be there. Another one is sexual assault. Men have had the right, I would argue, the right to assault women sexually, and not just sexually, but, but focusing here on, on the sexual aspect. Men have had a right to do this again for since anyone can really remember. And it's not that all cultures have treated it as just a normal thing that happens. Some certainly have, um, and, and there are no punishments. There are a lot of cultures today where there are punishments for sexual assault, but they are often very difficult. It's very difficult for women or for really anyone to find justice. The system is stacked against victims or survivors of sexual assault. For a lot of people, uh, they don't want to go through the process of justice because it's too much. It's too much for them. It's going to be too difficult to not only work through the system or the systems that are in place to help them, which may not be very helpful, but also because there's such a social stigma, they may come under fire from their family, their community, their friends. They may worry about retaliation from their assailant. So this is something that men are used to. They're used to being able to get away with it. Or in the very least, they're used to getting a slap on the wrist and not really feeling the full consequences. This especially applies to what I would call smaller forms of sexual assault, or I don't even want to use that word. They're just perhaps not as severe. There are other forms of sexual assault or sexual harassment, which are very normalized and which people aren't going to get penalized for, uh, which are still very harmful, you know, workplace sexual harassment, touching people in ways that they don't want to be touched, using vulgar language or suggestive language. So these are things that are they're very normalized and they're so much a part of our culture that they often feel invisible. They're not invisible to the people on the receiving end, but to the people doing it, they often are invisible, or the damage of it feels invisible. Another thing that men are currently in the process of losing, you know, I should say, I, I phrase this as men are losing these things, but really, in a lot of cases, they're not. I would argue they should, but they're not. In some cases, it's just becoming... Uh, some of this stuff isn't as celebrated or it's not as easy or it's finally coming under scrutiny. There are more laws being created around it. But I don't want to imply that this stuff is all just going away because it's certainly not. We're still dealing with this. We're still going to be dealing with this for the foreseeable future, which especially I think applies to this next one too, preferential treatment for men. So men have gotten so used to Privilege. Privilege manifests in so many different ways, right? Privilege means you're more likely to get a job. Privilege means you're more likely to get promoted or end up in any kind of social status which requires respect or requires approval or, or has gatekeeping, right? Men are more likely to end up in these roles, especially if they are higher earning, right? Or higher status, Men are more likely to have access to those. Men are more likely to have space, whether it's 
physical space made for them, space in a conversation made for what they want to say. Men are more likely to feel safe in any given situation. They're more likely to, they're less likely to feel like they're going to come under assault, whether that's physical or verbal. One of the clearest examples I give of this is the walking to your car at night test or the walking at home at night test. How many men ask another male friend that they're hanging out with, do you want me to walk you to your car? That rarely happens. I can't remember, you know, ever hearing one of my man friends ask me if I wanted to be walked to my car, whereas with women, it's so common. You're going to be safe getting home, right? This is a, a very common question. All women are used to thinking about this. And I think that's such a clear example of where a privilege gap still exists in our culture. One of the things that privilege really highlights is people being successful with less. Men for a long time, forever really, have had access to what I call success with mediocrity. Being able to do something in a mediocre fashion and still being rewarded. You see this everywhere. I mean, you see this in the workplace, you see this in politics, you see this in the living room, you see this in the bedroom, where men just have not had to show up as much. They haven't had to be as good with their speech. They haven't had to be as good with their actions. They get by. They get what they need anyway. They get their needs met anyway. So this is something that you will find when you're talking with people of lesser privilege is that they'll say, I have to be better, twice as good, right? I have to be twice as good in order to succeed. So there's this feeling of needing to be really impeccable and needing to be really on all the time and needing to study harder and to work harder to get the same results. What we're talking about really is unearned success or success that someone else would have had to work harder to, to get the same result. So this is a sampling of things that are privileges, comforts, ways of being that men have been used to which are being scrutinized and which a lot of people are rightly saying these shouldn't be normalized in our culture anymore. We shouldn't have these inequalities in our culture anymore. We shouldn't have double standards around these things. Everyone should be held to the same standard around this stuff. This is how we ensure a more just society. This is how we create a culture that allows everyone the chance to succeed. If in hearing any of this, let's say you're a man listening to this, and if you feel defensive about any of this, or if you feel like you're losing something valid in hearing any of this, I want to examine that, right? What would motivate you to feel like you wanted to be able to be violent anytime without punishment? What would motivate you to feel that it's okay to sexually assault or sexually harass someone? How would you have to feel to feel like it was okay that you were going to get preferential treatment for a job or that you wouldn't have to work as hard? Does that create more value in society? Is that likely to make you a good person? Is that likely to bring humanity to a better state of being? Is that going to create harmony or happiness? I would argue no. None of these things create a happier or more just world. None of these things create the world that I want to live in. 
Another point I want to make about this that often gets missed is that it's not actually good for men either. It may feel in a moment like it's nice to have this kind of power or this kind of ease of being in the world or this kind of uh, being able to do whatever you want, so to speak. But it's really damaging for men as well. No one grows from being mediocre. There's not more happiness created in the world when men commit violent acts. Even if they're gratifying in the moment, they're still deeply harmful to those men committing those acts. The costs of privilege on the privileged don't go examined enough. We talk about the costs on the underprivileged or on the end of those receiving, whether it's violence or not getting preferential treatment. And of course, that's vital. It's a big part of the conversation. But we also need to focus on how it's not good for anybody. It's really not. It's not creating well-being for anyone. A world in which such large injustices exist is not good for anyone. And so if you find yourself feeling resistant to the idea that you can't have these things anymore or that there's going to be a greater scrutiny applied to men behaving in these ways, that's really something to look at. That's something to examine. Why do I feel entitled to these things? Why do I feel like it's okay to treat people in this way? These are things that I would say every man needs to think about. Even if you feel like you're one of the good guys, right? I say that in air quotes. Even if you feel that way, you are likely still perpetuating some of these behaviors. You might be doing it in subtler ways or smaller ways or less harmful ways. But nevertheless, it's really time for men to look at this. So we've spoken plenty about what men are losing and with so much focus given to what is being taken away or what is not going to be allowed anymore. I can see why men will be left with this feeling of, I'm still the same guy, but I can just do less than I could before, right? And that feels, that does feel limiting, even if you don't support any of, any of these violences or inequities. But there's this feeling of men have less space and they're less allowed to express themselves. And it feels constricting. So what I want to talk about is what I feel like is, is missing from a lot of this dialogue is what men are gaining, right? Why are we not focusing on all of the things that men are gaining in this conversation? I feel like the amount that men are losing and the quality of what men are losing pales in comparison to the opportunities that men are gaining to live a richer life. This is what it really comes down to is a richer life. So one of the things that is being discussed a lot these days, which men have an opportunity to get into, is a more feeling space. Men are being encouraged these days and supported by their partners, by institutions, by the culture at large, to feel more. People listening to this may have this kind of knee-jerk reaction of, oh, touchy-feely, nonsensey stuff, right? Or kids stuff, or girl stuff, right? That's the sexism talking there, that's girl stuff. But really, so many men, one of the, the biggest challenges they come up against is feeling dead inside or feeling apathetic inside or having this feeling, this kind of dull sadness 
or an aimless dissatisfaction. So there is a feeling going on there, but it's a very, it's, it's a muted and cloudy and difficult feeling. When men gain access to a greater range of feeling, so many things become possible. Any therapist will tell you that the more a person is able to feel their feelings, the more a person is able to be present with what they're feeling, the more access to joy they're going to have, the more connection they're going to have, the more enjoying life. And it's really true when, you, when you're in a feeling space, when you're in touch with what you feel, the flowers smell better, the sun shines brighter, life is more vivid. One of the ways that this shows up most deeply is the next point that I want to make here, which is that men are gaining access to deeper relationships. So the model that we've had of men and relationships leading up until this point has been really insufficient. It has really given men very little room to express themselves in their relationships. And so this is things like men being able to tell the truth about how they feel, men being able to be seen for who they are, whether it's feeling sensitive or having ideas that are outside of the norms of what men are supposed to think about or talk about. Maybe it's in a romantic relationship where a man wants to have a deeper and richer and more fulfilling connection with his partner, and he's having a hard time vocalizing that or even knowing where to begin with that. So this movement for men to connect with their feelings and express a gentler part of themselves, it really creates more opportunity for people to connect and deepen their relationships. I've been thinking a lot about men and their friendships lately because it's something that I've struggled with myself is uh, wanting to have closer connections and deeper friendships with men in my life. How often do you hear men saying, or may maybe you're a woman and men say, you know, I feel so comfortable with you. I feel like I can be myself with you. or I really enjoy talking to you. I think there are a lot of men who they rely on women in their lives for emotional intimacy. And so there's a certain comfort in that. There's a certain feeling of being relaxed and being able to show up and share yourself and share your thoughts, uh, which men feel with women, but they don't feel that with other men. And the reason for that is, you know, it's many things. It's homophobia. It's uh, gender norms. It's, it's a militarized culture that treats men as weapons. So when men have a greater access to a range of emotion and expression with other men, what do you know? Their friendships with other men become deeper. They become more intimate. Men can have more emotional and physical intimacy with each other. I want to be really clear that that doesn't mean sexual intimacy. It can, but it doesn't have to. A lot of this stuff has been demonized via homophobia. And as a result, men have been so constricted, they've been so limited in their expression as a result. What I'm trying to highlight here is that there are so many constrictions that have been placed on men that are lifting, and this is giving men access to a, a greater range of expression. Let's talk about some of these other modes of expression. With a change in cultural temperament, men are also being able to wear more clothes, being able to wear gender-neutral clothes or even women's clothes or, or more feminine clothes or looks, hairstyles, different ways of decorating the body. You see men painting their nails. You see men taking better care of their skin, focusing more on self-care, which is a huge thing. This is a whole area, self-care and well-being. 
another area that men have typically struggled with because it's seen as, you know, whatever it is, self-indulgent or soft. The need to take care of yourself is seen as weakness. In a patriarchal context, men shouldn't have to do that. Men should just be ready to go all the time. Men gaining access to this is giving them a huge boost in their ability to, to show up and enjoy their lives. If men are taking care of themselves more, if they're getting better health care, if they're able to feel wellness in a much broader cross-section of their lives, then this is going to enhance every other part of their life. So this is a, it's a huge pickup for men. Even men just being able to have a broader range of interests or hobbies. Like, let's say that a man really enjoys flower arranging, or maybe a man really enjoys scrapbooking, or a man enjoys quilting, or a man wants to knit. These are all activities that have been genderized. They've been assigned. <laughs> These are activities that have been assigned female at birth. These are just other ways that men are gaining the ability to express themselves that has been really restricted in the past. Through growing in all of these ways, creating intimacy, creating better relationships, whether it's with friends, family, or romance, men also have more support. The statistic that men commit suicide more than women do, for example, by a wide margin, this really comes from the fact that men are lacking support. And one of the main reasons for that is that, first of all, they don't really know how to get it. They don't have the skills or even the cultural impetus to just say, I'm in trouble, right? Men are encouraged to not show that vulnerability in that way. So even just changing that norm is, is a huge thing. Men feeling more comfortable reaching out for help or saying, I don't know what I'm doing or I can't do this on my own. I need support. But also, you know, when your relationships are stronger, when you're more in touch with your feelings, when you have more intimacy in your life, it also by default, it creates more support. Support comes from these deep relationships. It comes from having people care about you and show up for you. It's kind of the definition of what support is. And so you're going to see as men take care of themselves better and grow their relationships and feel their feelings more and feel more connected and feel like their lives are richer, you will naturally see a decrease in men committing suicide. It's just, it makes sense. When people are having a richer life and also a resilient life, when you have support, you're more resilient. You can take the ups and downs of life more easily because you have people who are helping you. So these are some really clear examples of what men are gaining in this cultural exchange. And these are all very beautiful things. These are things that make life worth living. They're things that make the world a more beautiful place. These are things that are more likely to lead to community. They're more likely to lead to satisfaction in any given area of life, whether it's maybe you want a better sexual relationship, or maybe you want to have a better relationship with your dad. Maybe you want to explore some part of yourself that's been kind of hidden or closeted, but which feels really important to you. There are so many parts of life that become stronger and become easier when you have this kind of support. So I hope that I've helped to make the case today for the fact that manhood is not actually shrinking, it's growing. Every day, men are gaining new modes of expression 
new ways of taking care of themselves and feeling good about themselves and their lives. Thank you for joining me with Gentleman. I'm excited to be doing this project again. I'll catch up with you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you.